The world's most advanced color correction tool for Mac just got more powerful. DaVinci Resolve from Blackmagic Design. With XML import, export, multi-layered timelines, curve grading, noise reduction, stabilization, 3D alignment, OpenCL, and more. DaVinci Resolve is available from $995. Current users can download the updates for free. And try DaVinci Resolve Lite, a reduced featured version that's still packed with power. Visit www.blackmagicdesign.com. What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell, and this episode's a, a special one. So, if you haven't heard of Not Just a Movie, it's a podcast about discussing films. And they've been posting stuff to AOTG.com, and someone commented that we should do a crossover podcast. So I reached out to them, and they, they liked the idea, so we decided might as well have fun and do a crossover for the Oscars. So we sat down, and the talk as... Once you get film people into a room and they start talking about films, it tends to run a little long. So it's about an hour and a half, and we cover everything from our thoughts on who should be the winner uh, of various categories to who didn't get nominated and should have. So here's the crossover episode with Not Just a Movie and The Cutting Room. So the people asked for it, and they finally <laughs> got it, People huh? or person? Persons. I heard it was just one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. I wasn't there, so I don't know. Let's say Hordes asked for yes. us. Hordes yeah. asked for us to do a joint show. Right. Well, we're really happy to be doing it, <laughs> though. Are, yeah. And it couldn't be a better subject. Today no. we're talking about the Oscars. The Oscars. Yeah. yeah. Specifically 2014 movies, but yeah. So I met Gordon back at a summer 2014 pub event that he was doing for Post Chat. Yeah, it was. Part of that and part of our uh, world pub tour that we did, which was kind of fun. That was pretty ambitious. Do you guys want to explain what post chat is? Yeah, maybe Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Tell uh, our audience a yeah, little so bit about post chat. Is chat. something uh, so Jesse Averna uh, approached myself and a guy, another guy named Tage about starting this thing on Twitter, uh, where every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern time we all just sort of meet and use the hashtag post chat and have discussions about post production. Funny enough, a lot of the post chat discussions have linked up with our episode topics and it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> like during the space, you know, episode yeah. that we were doing, you guys are doing your own like space. I guess because Interstellar but came we, out. Because yeah, we've been yeah. timing episodes yeah. so that they line up with things that are happening. I guess yeah. it's not that coincidental. Yeah. It's not that, that's not that weird. So, I, you but, know, what was coincidental was that at Gordon's event, I realized that. Uh, Jesse, one of the founders of Post Chat, lived mm-hmm. down the block from me. So that That's was right. kind of strange. You see him around Jersey City all the time <laughs> yeah, now, I right? Do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> but so this this Post Chat, you actually met in person, in though, person. not on Twitter. Yeah. 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 We had analog beers. Is that so weird? Is that weird to like see each other in person after talking to each other online all the time? Uh, not for Jesse, Tasia, and myself, because we've known each other for so long now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, what's cool is meeting all the other people we know only by their... Uh, Usernames on Twitter, mm-hmm. sure, which is yeah. kind of weird. So we almost have to give name tags out with, you know, <laughs> Twitter handles as opposed to actual names. So like when somebody introduces themselves, they're like, "Hey, I'm at yeah. whatever yeah. it is." Yeah, yeah, a lot of people will be like, "I'm so and so from at 
you're at AOTG Network, right? You don't yep. actually have a Gordon Burkow. Uh, I do, but I have like one friend and <laughs> it's, <laughs> no, because I created it and then Twitter's like, you have to have a friend. So I clicked, you know, I just grabbed a friend and then I never opened it back up again. Oh, okay. So, mm-hmm. and that friend, of course, followed me back because I know them. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, I've, I've tweeted like once from it. So, yeah. Yeah. So I also, I mean, Gordon's been doing this for practically forever in podcast time. Mm-hmm. You started the cutting room in 2008, right? Yeah, I started it the same year that uh, Ace started uh, Edit Fest. Wow. So, and it was part of sort of, I went down there and met with all these editors that were taking part in Edit Fest and started interviewing them and turned it into a podcast. And can you remember a time before you were podcasting? Because already for (laughs) us, for us, it feels like we've always had the podcast. I don't know. I I really enjoy doing podcasts um, Mm -hmm. and I really enjoy... Uh, meeting the editors and and learning about them. I was, you know, I was just at editor's retreat and got to meet uh, David Moritz, who cuts for Wes Anderson. And what was interesting about him is he was in punk bands in the 70s and 80s and opened for like the Ramones and the Clash and all these crazy bands. And I was just like, that's amazing. You know, it's kind of cool to find these little stories out. And And now he edits. Yeah, now he's in Which is also cool. Yeah. Yeah. So since we are talking about the Oscars today. Uh-huh. I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't mention our Oscar parties, which we've hinted at on past shows. <laughs> yes, it's very high stakes for yeah, me, for mostly. Timmy. No, I mean, it should be for everybody. You should just, you know, have some self-respect. Take it <laughs> seriously. I think we've said on past shows that some people who come to our parties, they fill out, you know, the ballot for who they want to win. Mm-hmm. And we right. always try to have to remind them, you have to think about what old white men want. Yeah. Not what you want. Not this year. I'm not reminding anybody. Yeah. They can do what they want. I'm winning this year. It's all fun and games until Timmy loses. <laughs> yeah, I then, get really, really upset. Yeah. Well, frankly, because last year that was some shady deals because <laughs> we talked about it and you were like, oh, you should take the wild cards. And I did. And then I, even though like I didn't want to choose them, you were like, put them down. You like set me up to lose. Yeah. So High stakes. It's, it's over. <laughs> what about you, Gord? What do you do on Oscar night? I, you know what? I, I've only been to a few Oscar parties and I tend to, because there's certain categories you just don't watch. <laughs> not, right. Yeah. Uh, and so now it's just sort of like my wife and I sit down and watch it and just enjoy it for what it is. So occasionally, like we don't throw our own party, but if we're invited, we'll go to one. Yeah. Timmy and I used to have lower stake parties that were just the two of us where she'd mm-hmm. make just a ton of food and desserts and <laughs> instead of it being money uh we would bet like who Things and we've, we we've said do. this on the last show at the last, last year's year, Oscar yeah. show yeah that we bet like who has to take out the dog late yeah. at night that sort of now thing. it's not as big of a deal because he we have a fenced in right. yard but yeah. it used to be a really big deal wow yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we never like i've been to parties where it's like everyone tosses you know 20 bucks or five bucks into the mm-hmm. up bin and then everyone fills out their forms and see who wins. Right. Uh, and that makes it a little more fun. It does. I find, it, I find it's like boxing where, <laughs> you know, I don't really like watching boxing, but if I have money on it, that I'll is watch also boxing. It's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's, pretty, uh, yeah, that's why we do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I really want to raise the stakes. I would. I wanted to do like, it's $10, but I was like, no, I don't want to discourage people from like doing Entering it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's I supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be fun. <laughs> But yeah, so it's only $5 for us. Yeah. And I feel like I should say a warning to all our our Oscar listeners that you shouldn't be listening to this, or rather to all of our Oscar guests at our party. You shouldn't be listening to this show 
as a way of like seeing who we think is going to win. Yeah. We're not going to give out our predictions. Right. No, it's just it's just we our gotta keep it close own to the wish best. list. Yeah. 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 And shame on you. Don't be cheating. <laughs> well, you know what I did last year, actually, which might help your listeners, but I didn't do it. I haven't done it this year. It was uh, we went into the AOTG database and ran a few things and saw what were the most liked posts based on the Oscars. What was the most um, shared? What was the most posted about Oscar films? Mm-hmm. And then based our guesses on that. And we got most of the post ones right. Like huh. we were pretty accurate. But of course, we're not into acting and stuff, so we right. died on the acting ones. But <laughs> that's what's so funny too is about a lot of a lot of these prediction sites, and they all have them this time of year. Mm-hmm. If you look at last year's, so mm-hmm. many of them were wrong. So it's like I don't know who to trust. I just have right. to trust myself. I guess just trust your heart. Yeah, yeah. trust well, my what, inner old white man. You know yeah. what I based it on? Like what I was looking at in ours is that uh, because we do a lot of postings for you know, announcements and what have you, we'll get a lot of emails from companies Mm. about the certain films that are going to be, or that are up for Oscars because they want those films to win. Oh yeah. And so you can sort of tell the one who's got like a lot of money behind it, pushing it. And that sort of helps you predict which ones are going to win because that's the one that most people are hearing about. Yeah. And that's a good transition into the first topic of the day, just about how crazy these Oscar campaigns are. So you mentioned, you know, seeing, you know, a few of these ads and people reaching out to you. But if you are in the industry, it's just like a nonstop barrage. It's just insane. Yeah. Well, because there's so much money behind it, right? Like if, you know, if Whiplash wins uh, Best Picture or whatever it's nominated for, that's it's going to generate more money right uh, for that film so yeah there's a lot there's a lot right a lot at stake yeah for all of them i mean yeah yeah absolutely well well, one of those i well we're going to talk about what we think is going to win later maybe Mm -hmm. right what are predictions yeah but but like no no prediction no we want to win (laughs) what we want to win but i'm just saying like that i mean we were talking on our last episode Mm -hmm. about boyhood and how they've Mm -hmm. really like done a good job of pushing it even though it's such a small film like yeah can you imagine if it wins how much more they'll make on that oh yeah Yeah. tons yeah it's it like we said it's pretty high stakes and i didn't even realize that the year that you know, remember the year the Hurt Locker and Avatar mm-hmm. were out together? Yes. Well, one yep. of the Hurt Locker producers got banned from the Academy Awards Wait, and wasn't why? allowed to receive one because he was going after all of his associates and being like, don't vote for Avatar, vote for ours. Well, that's just good. That's, that's honestly it. just a good advice. Well, he got banned <laughs> yeah. from the ceremony. So. But it's against it's against the uh, there's very, very strict rules I in mean, how you can promote. It's it's that, interesting. That makes sense. That seems shady. And there's a, there's a guy who has a job to like make sure that it doesn't get too out of hand. How, like, who, who is this person? I don't know, but he's, that's basically his one job is to make sure. No, I'm really invested in this. No, like, but <laughs> yeah. how Go look up the Wikipedia that? article, yeah, you'll find him. Later. But yeah, he, he makes sure that like. One guy? Yeah, one for dude. For 6,000 members? So it seems. That yeah. seems like a lot of people <laughs> to be you're, policing. you're allowed to send out screeners, obviously. Yeah, And obviously. you're allowed to market, but you're not allowed to like give people gifts. <laughs> for instance, you know, if here's a box of oranges, vote for my movie. You can't do that sort of thing. Right. Or like, but, here's here's a case of scotch. Yeah. To watch while to drink <laughs> while you're watching my movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if it happens still. Oh, I'm sure it does. Yeah. Right. It has to. Someone's yeah. probably like, oh, I'm getting rid of my brand new Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm just going to throw it away anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing about the Oscars that are 
kind of insane is a lot of people don't realize there's really a little under 6,000 people, which mm -hmm. does that sound like a lot to you or it a little? It seems like a lot. Yeah, right? Actually, it seems like a lot because <laughs> the way you phrase it, you're like, oh, it's a little bit under 6,000, uh -huh. but 6,000, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. They've but been hovering about that round but it's number. not really, do you think? Because like when you think of uh, what does Ace have? 600? Mm-hmm. And that's just editors. Right. So if this is something that covers acting, editing, producers, Everything. directors. That's a good point. Yeah. That's 6,000 for the world, too. Like, I mean, I know mm -hmm. there's BAFTA and I know there's the uh, ACCT here in Canada. But, I, you know, I know a lot of Canadians who are a part of it. I know a lot of, you know, Brits who are a part mm -hmm. of it. Right. So it's also it's actually, crazy to think that only like every other country gets to submit one film for the best mm -hmm. foreign film. Obviously, it's an American, you know, award right. show, so it yeah. makes sense in that way, but it's like you get one film as a country. One shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of nuts. Well, is the maybe you guys can clear this up. Is the foreign film have to be like a foreign language or can it be English? Uh, it I don't think it has to be foreign language, but it has to have English subtitles if it is. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I looked that up today. Oh, good job. <laughs> yeah. I looked up other things today too, and you actually took the the brunt of this research about like the history. I was like, how did it, how did it all start? Right. Well, <laughs> well, no, it was funny. I was I just took issue with the way you phrased it. You were like, oh, you had a very controversial thing. You were like, oh, they're so they're really sinister. The Academy Awards yeah. are, have a sinister background. I was like, that seems a little strong. I don't know if it's <laughs> it sinister. Just take it back a little bit. I would say shady uh -huh. or seedy history in that uh, th that the way. It, the academy originally started was basically them trying to control the unions and get them from like, you know, forcing things upon them. He was like, let's the guy from MGM, right? What is mm -hmm. his name? It's escaping me right now. I can find it. It doesn't matter. But he he was like, oh, we don't want these unions to get out of hand. So let's let's make our own academy, our own association. And everybody has to be a member or they can't work on films. You're talking us. about the one Louis B. Mayer. That's it. Yeah. Mayer. I knew it was an M something. Yeah. But and, and as it turns out, the actual award ceremonies for the Academy Awards was a total afterthought. <laughs> they were like, oh, let's just throw these people a bone. You yeah. know, let's let like them know they're doing a good job. In 1929, it was like a 15 minute dinner. Like, rather, the dinner was the thing, and the, the award ceremony itself was like because yeah, they thing. announced the winners ahead of time. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it's interesting that like it's grown into this thing, and that's not how it started mm -hmm. at all. I don't even think it was televised until like the late 50s or so, and then they. I think that's when they started to make sure that nobody knew who won. Because the papers would sometimes spoil it for people. Right, right. When that's when they started doing the actual envelope <laughs> mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. But before that, they didn't think they needed to keep it secret. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know if sinister is too harsh, considering the idea it of too harsh. Mayor. He, he, he was quoted saying that, like, the best way to handle filmmakers was to hang medals all over them. That's kind of sinister and, like, twirl your, you know, mustache sort of behavior. Is, is that sinister? I don't think it's sinister. <laughs> I think it's, you know a dick move for yeah. sure but i don't know if that's like <laughs> i don't know that i would call it sinister makes me think of like someone who's really evil i don't he was just a jerk i don't think he was evil mm. really right. that debate i'm saying yeah. if you disagree with me tell me i can see him twirling his mustache while saying that like look what i've managed to get out of these people just because i you know give them an award and a dinner 
Mm-hmm. But did he have a mustache? That's a good question. I think he was clean <laughs> yeah. shaven. Hmm. Oh, so then you can't picture him twirling his mustache because he didn't have one. <laughs> but he had a top hat. That's all we need to know. <laughs> yeah. and, and a probably monocle. a monocle. Yeah, yeah, sure. In his giant house that he got built. Poor guy. Reading. Now I'm like feeling bad for oh, him. Oh, please. <laughs> He's fine. Was fine. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he is. But so it's so funny. It came from humble beginnings. Yeah. Not humble, but beginnings that were like they weren't they didn't really care about them that much it was just an afterthought to this huge thing that they announced months ahead of time and then we're sitting here podcasting about (laughs) it right now that's how big of a deal it is yeah i mean yeah it, it feels like the academy started as a way of like handling labor union disagreements and now it just like I think their only job is to hand out these awards i feel like i can't find any other thing that they do all year except prepare for this probably yeah but I mean, Gordon, so what do you think about the buildup and hype? Like when does when does it start for you? Like when do you start taking notice? Uh, I start seeing stuff in September. Mm. And that's usually um, just you'll you'll notice certain companies talking about certain films uh, in particular ways and not not like, oh, this one's got hype and stuff. But uh, like I'll get I'll get a lot of emails about a particular editor for example, Mm -hmm. and just be like, did you see his work in this and discussing, you know, should you, you should, you should write an article, (laughs) you know? Oh, so there, so this is like press people encouraging you. This is PR and marketing departments. Um, And so we get a lot of those starting in September Mm -hmm. uh, because they want to start building up that buzz and building up the the sort of campaign for it. Right. Um, If you hear the name enough, it must be true. Right. Yeah. So... I start in, I start hearing about it in September, and then it it starts to really snowball, like the first week of January. Oh sure. Oh yeah. Right. As soon and as soon as it's nom like the nominations come out, it's just yeah every day. And then it's just like from November to now, there's just a million award shows. Yeah, right. and that's that's the other crazy thing is the amount of award shows that there are now. It's just... And people always try to use them as predictors. And you never they have can all these tell, like. Though. You know, oh, if if the producers guild picks this or the directors guild picks this, then it's a shoe in, and then every year it's like some upset because none of their math works. Right. Well, isn't that why the Golden Globes changed their system this year so that you couldn't? Because essentially they were sort of I don't want to say a joke, but <laughs> uh, there was lots of drinking that. at uh, the Golden Globes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they wanted to make it. They wanted it to become more serious, so they changed their awards date to after the ballots are submitted. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So this is the first year. So the Oscar ballots are submitted and then the Golden Globes appear. Huh. Hmm. So in preparation for this episode, Timmy and I rewatched For Your Consideration. If you want to talk about hype, I love that. The <laughs> it's whole, so great. Like, I mean, build up and hype that that movie portrays really, really well. Yes. Yeah. It's been a while since we'd seen it too. Mm-hmm. Gordon, have you seen this? I'm no, no, I no, haven't. No, really? Oh, oh to, my yeah, goodness. You it. have to watch it. Yeah. That, it's so great. Uh, Christopher Guest from 2006. And it was kind of a departure for him. Not that mm-hmm. we're talking about this on right. today's episode, but usually he does the mockumentary style. But in this one, it's, it's, kind of just a straight fiction you can film, tell there's right? some improv but it's not for a sure for sure yeah. for sure yeah absolutely but it's not a mockumentary but it's it's great it's all about the making of this film called home home for Purim. <laughs> starts out called mm-hmm. being called home for Purim, and then it ends up being called home for thanksgiving because the producers <laughs> think they need to change the name right and to be more inclusive yeah but it's just about like act the behind the scenes stuff and 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 hype 
during production and then leading up to the Oscars of all, all these rumors about people being nominated for Academy Awards. Yeah. <laughs> and then what happens in the aftermath of what if they don't actually end up getting a nomination? So, yeah, yeah it's it's <laughs> so funny. It does a really good job of showing that, like, if one person says something and, like, spreads some gossip, how quickly it Everyone just latches on to it. And yeah. then it becomes a real thing even though somebody just offhandedly said it right these mm-hmm. actors are going just crazy over the idea of winning an oscar and they changed everything about themselves absolutely <laughs> yeah so definitely check that out you're yeah, gonna love it's, it it's great i love it i'll add it to my list yes. <laughs> yeah yeah but so that's what's some of the crazy stuff about the oscars but i feel like there's got to be some redeeming qualities why are we doing a podcast about it if, if we're just <laughs> trashing on it <laughs> Uh, well, probably because you guys like to gamble on it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, I was just, yeah, I was going to say something similar that like we have money on it. So yeah. that makes we, it more we fun. We force ourselves to <laughs> care about it in that way. I think for me, it's honestly, I want it to be better than it is. You know what I mean? Like I uh-huh. want it to be at a higher standard and to, mm-hmm. you know. Well, if you're going to care about an award show, I feel like this is the one to put your chips in because mm-hmm. it is pretty prestigious. Yeah. You know, it's kind of an elite club and I can understand the value of like being handed an award from 6,000 people as compared to like everybody mm-hmm. like the People's Choice Awards or whatever or the MTV Awards it's, like yeah. who decides that stuff. Yeah like, but you get a surfboard don't you? Or no you get that <laughs> that's that's the which one's the surfboard? I don't know. I, did, I know somebody's got the golden popcorn. I think that's MTV. Yeah. MTV's yeah. the spaceman. Yeah the oh, MTV's geez. the spaceman for sure. Yeah I don't know anything about any other award shows. Clearly. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know that the Grammys exist and and watched the whole like clip of Kanye jumping up, but that's about it. Like that's all I know from the Grammys and the Emmys. We just sort of like see who wins the next day. That's about that's right. All we do. I don't even really care about that, honestly. With the Grammys, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just every year I'm waiting for the Academy Awards to be like the perfect lineup of nominees mm-hmm. you know you're going to be waiting for a while but maybe but i, I think there, there are some good things that come from them like mm-hmm. there's a lot of films that i just don't think would have gotten a spotlight on them you know maybe a whiplash or a mm-hmm. Birdman. i was gonna say i just uh, a positive thing just came to me mm-hmm. which is co- theater re-releases so yeah, originally totally. for example things like whiplash or i guess Birdman was pretty wide wide release mm-hmm. but like even boyhood or something like that i mean we happen to live in a more urban area so we can certainly see whatever we want to see mm-hmm. but people that live just you know wherever in the middle of nowhere or just in a small town, they don't necessarily, their theaters aren't getting these properties to no. show more independent kind of films or like lower budget films necessarily, like mm-hmm. a boyhood. And they <laughs> yeah. wouldn't get to, they wouldn't get to see it otherwise. But then there's all this hype. They get nominated for a bunch of awards and people are like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. We need to release them. <laughs> and then they release them and then they get to see stuff. But mm-hmm. that, I mean, that was my situation growing up. I only got to see the Oscar After. nominated films in February before the Academy Awards. Yeah, you know, we were annoyed that we didn't get to see the one documentary Salt of the Earth. Right. That, like it must have been it must have appeared in like March of last year or something. I don't know. But everything else we've gotten to see in theaters, you know, in New York mm-hmm. around this time. Yeah. But that's like you said, not the experience. We're for most we're people. lucky about yeah. that. I yeah. mean, like so Gordon, how is it for you to be able to like go and see all these things? Uh well, from or, a personal spec- yeah. perspective, it's hard because just time. Like right. yeah, there's so many. Uh, but I'm I'm pretty lucky because Toronto has the Toronto International Film Festival. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a big. Deal. And so they do a lot of films there, but they also 
uh, do year-round screenings. Mm-hmm. And so Oscar-nominated films are there constantly. That's great. And ones that you might never see from, you know, various countries. Uh, so it's actually a really great venue. And then they've sort of branched out and teamed up with other theaters as well. So, um, or I think they have as part of like, there's like a f- whole festival group now, I think it's called. And so there's a small one, you know, one screen cinema called the Blur Cinema. And they teamed up with the Hot Docs and they do all documentaries and stuff there. So it's, uh, it's they've done a really good job of making films accessible here. And it's always been that way since Tiff was here before I was born. <laughs> so, <Nice. laughs> um, you know, but uh, I, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine not being able to get out to see films uh, that you want to see. And I think, I wonder if that's going to change because of uh, the internet, mm-hmm. because things yeah. like, I know, I know a lot of people who would just download it if they can't see it. Oh yeah. So, and I wonder with the interview doing so well. Right. <laughs> If they'll, you know, make it available for download in areas where it's not screening on, on theater screens. Yeah, we've noticed the the window has shortened. Like, we Much saw Nightcrawler more. and the Skeleton Twins and a bunch of the other, like, nominees. Well, not Skeleton nominees Twins came but... out in, like, early fall. So mm-hmm. that made, that timeline seemed right. I guess Nightcrawler was the one But that... Nightcrawler, yeah, was that, that got released in the end October, of October yeah. or something. And, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah, it's already available digitally not for free yeah but you know <laughs> already we feel like we're spoiled because we're like oh we're annoyed that we can't see the movie that just came out like two months ago <laughs> for our oscar podcast you know we have to actually go out and and see it in the theaters so we did see a ton of movies in theaters we though, did i love doing it though yeah, it's, it's a fun time of the year i think we us. should go back to ifc film center and see the the shorts, the shorts yeah. before our oscar party too right now i know yeah. you can i know you want to see them on the big screen because you can i think you can watch them on youtube now though Oh. The shorts. I like seeing them in the theater. Mm-hmm. I know last year they released them all available on YouTube as like a promotional thing. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know sense. if they did it again this year. I don't know. We'll have to check on that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, those especially it's, it's, they, I mean, they'd have to do something like that because otherwise who's going to see them? Yeah. You have to yeah. bundle them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or you know what they should do? They should show the shorts before like each of the Oscar nominated films. Right. Like they like do at Pixar short. shows. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> shows. <laughs> movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish but, they would show shorts in general before films. Yeah, that would <laughs> they used to do that when we were younger. Remember? Mm-hmm. I'm surprised they don't. I'm um, I'm surprised. Well, I guess they'd have to pay the for the films, and they don't right. want to. But yeah, they rather show the million trailers and commercials. <laughs> yeah, well, they make money off that as opposed to paying. Totally. For it, but, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. But we were talking about what are some redeeming qualities I of the Oscars. That you get to see things that you wouldn't normally I think get that's to a, see. I think that's a big one. Thank you. And I think another one is just you know, appreciating good work. I guess that's, mm-hmm. that goes without saying in a lot right. of ways that... Well, as long as they have things up for awards that are good work. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's where some of the, the conversation... Yeah, that's, there the you go. ...back and forth I'm comes from. I'm not going to say anything else. Yeah. Yeah. But I, in theory, the idea of something being good, and like we said, not everybody being able to see it, and then it being given an award makes you want to go see it more. So it kind of ties into our first point. I feel like though, probably in terms of technical awards, right? I mean, that's a little bit different, you know, than like best picture or best actor or actress. Like, I feel like, I I mean, you guys would know better than me in in general. Are those, do you always expect those categories, the more like technical categories to all be good picks for the nominees? Uh, I think it really can. I think you can get political around there too. Yeah. Not to the (laughs) same extent. Okay. Because uh, obviously, you know, actors are what sell the film 
Right. Uh, hopefully. Um, so people know, like people know who the actors are when they get up to the say thanks yeah whereas when you know the sound guy gets up they don't know when right you know, i always the, feel so bad for them yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah so, beer and headlights yeah. yeah i mean so you interview just a ton of post-professionals i always mm-hmm. do, do you ever talk to them about the academy awards is it something that ever comes up do they care uh i do yeah i think they they definitely do mm-hmm. like i mean i've heard a few interesting things like i mean i talk you know everyone i've talked to is, who's won is usually like your name gets called and it's a blur and you don't remember anything because mm. it's just sort of like so much is happening and it's just, there's such an adrenaline rush. Um, but what I've also heard, which I find really fascinating is there's um, a bunch of them, a bunch of them have said this, that there's sort of a drought afterwards in their category. So what happens is they win the Oscar and then no one hires them. Oh, wow. And, and what they find is that it's not because people are, at least this is what, the ones I've talked to about this have said it's not it's not because people are like he you know it's not like that they're jealous or anything like that it's more that they think because he'll be getting so much you know the person will be getting so many demands to do mm. work that they might as well not try and contact oh, wow. them oh no that's <laughs> so, terrible and or or they worry that their rates have gone up because that's what, that's I, what, what I was guessed. assuming yeah, too. That's what yeah. I guessed. yeah, and so they they get those two things, and, and so there's usually the ones that the ones I've talked to said, you know, there's like all of a sudden your work drops off for a bit unless you're working on something. Huh. Wow. So like if if you were you know if, let's say you have February off or whatever, and you're looking for work, and then you win the Oscar in the tech categories, you know people start to think, oh, he's got tons of work. He's not gonna have time for me. And they just don't call. Wow, that's sad. That is sad. They're just stuck at home with their Oscar. I think so. Febu- uh, February is a good time for me to call all these like award-winning people and to work on my stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Go. Good well, intel. Unless they had a gig that they were at while they went right. to the awards. Man. So. Wow. Yikes. So other positives. I feel like <laughs> yeah. before we get on to more trashing, I feel like I want to you know, give the other side. Okay. So you're calling for positive. <laughs> so why don't you just give us one? Well, I, I mean, one thing is that we talked about this on the last year's show is that people like Lena Dunham and other younger actors and directors are now entering the Academy. They're actually mm-hmm. involved. So I feel like over time, the Academy is going to be more diverse and maybe in a few years or maybe a decade, right. it'll actually be more representative. Of, Eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a positive. It's I'm. Um, it's, it's a positive a that positive. they let new people in. <laughs> but it's, That's a, it's nice. a positive they let new people in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like overall, though, the biggest thing about the Oscars is that they're just a lot of fun to talk about. It takes up a lot of our time. So yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> so I don't know. Let's let's move on to 2014. You know, a year in film. Uh-huh. So, well, how do we think this year stacks up against other years? Either on its own merits or on, or on uh, you know, other years. Yeah. I have to say I was really impressed with um, the guts that some of the filmmakers took this year. Yeah. Like the gutsy risks, I guess you could say. Like Birdman being a single shot, uh, you know. Yeah. Boyhood taking 12 years to make a film. <laughs> um, just risky ideas and risky approaches to filmmaking, which is, is exciting in my opinion. They weren't uh, the typical like Oscar bait, yeah. those two in particular. Because those two, but a lot I was gonna of people say, are calling are the them typical gimmicks, Oscar bait. and I don't think that Birdman or Boyhood is a gimmick. I think that's no. way oversimplifying that's it. Yeah, I think they really had 
particular reasons for doing that. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah, those two in, in my mind stand out as being not your that's, typical Oscar if, movies. If Linklater is trying to do that, that's a long con, my friend. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. this is, yeah, yeah. I and talk about like smear campaigns. Again, somebody in like, I don't know what online newspaper was like, oh, well, he's just copying off of the Up documentary series. And but Linklater is like, <laughs> I love that series. I'm not copying off it. It was an inspiration for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like so people ridiculous. People cool it. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, they really, really do. <laughs> Timmy, what do you think? You know, I do have to say that earlier in the fall, I was like, I remember saying to you, oh, I don't feel like it was a great year for Mm -hmm. movies. Like we saw Boyhood and like Grand Budapest was forever ago. But like, what else have we seen that's any good? Um, And then, yeah, it really picked up towards the end of the year. And and I, I... I think we saw a lot of good films this year. Totally. I won't say that they were are all represented at the award shows. No, we'll unfortunately, get to we'll yeah. get to that. But but I do think 2014 and overall in a, in a year was good for film. But you know what's funny about that is that we have this conversation every year. I say, how do you think this year is? And then prior to like say October November, you're like, it's trash. I hate the movies <laughs> this year. And then we see like 14 Oscar you know, worthy movies and you're like, yeah, pretty good, pretty good year. Yeah. I'm not (laughs) saying I don't do that every year. I'm just, I'm just saying that's how I feel again. That's how I feel. Yes. I I think there were a lot of, a lot of good things that came out this year. I mean, whiplash was like, yeah, (laughs) changed my life. Yeah. And that yeah. was another one that you listeners will remember. Uh, you don't harped on in the fall. You're like, Oh, who cares? JK Simmons. Whatever. No, you didn't say that. No, you love J.K. Simmons. I do love J.K. Simmons. No, I, I don't know what it was, but I did read something about it. Apropos of nothing before An, I even remotely saw it. I, I did a pre <laughs> I did a pre smear yeah. campaign on it. Yeah. But I took it all back yeah. once I saw it. And I was like, okay, I admit what and I'm wrong. And now you're like spreading wrong. the word like it's the gospel or something. Yeah. You're like, you must see Whiplash. No, I'm not like that. But yeah. everyone should see it. Yeah. No, but it's not for everyone, I feel like. But mm-hmm. it was like the perfect movie for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen uh, Weird Al Yankovic's, uh, his interpretation of Whiplash? No. Now I must. Yeah. yeah we love we He like to. cuts himself in. So it's like him playing the, oh, man. the accordion. That's so good. Yes. <laughs> that's yeah, going on that's our show what notes. we're doing right after this <laughs> yeah. recording. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, you can't call 2014. Like how you decide 2014 is basically the best picture category. That's kind of what defines the year. So Is it? You think? Because there's it? a few in there that I'm like, I'm surprised are in the best category. Okay, there's none in there that I'm surprised are in there, but mm-hmm. there's a bunch of them in there that I'm like, they have no business being in there. Right, right. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I guess, yeah, I guess like I'm in that similar, just not as aggressive <laughs> with <laughs> my yeah. statement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I should uh, clarify, I mean, the general you, I declare 2014 films to be very different from, you know, what I find in the best picture category. But when mm. you think back, a lot of people only remember those those films that were nominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's, it's especially funny to look back in Oscar history and see like what films were completely snubbed that, you know, shouldn't have been. Right. Like the Lego movie? <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's a big one. It's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they made some I I I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but they made some cool I like they did some cool things towards the end, you know. Yeah. That was yeah, I don't like I said I don't want to ruin it for those because I've talked about films before and I've mentioned the ending and someone's emailed and been like you just ruined the film. You know, yeah, we. I we, mean, at this point, we I feel like we already spoiled like we spoil a lot people. of stuff yeah. and yeah. we always make these you know disclaimers on movies that come out in the seventies like 
we're going to talk about this film because it came out like you know if you how many decades seen the ago godfather yet <laughs> yeah, that's your bad. problem yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. otherwise what do you that's do we just twiddle our thumbs like how else do you talk right, about movies right yeah. you have to be able to talk but I, about yeah it. If, when it comes out this year i can understand like Who not everyone's seen, seen everything movie mm-hmm. yet. yeah if you wanted to see the lego movie you saw it yeah, yeah. well so what, do, yeah. what do we have this year in our best picture club are you, are, you, are you asking what's actually in the yeah. category? You know, the audience doesn't have it in front of them. Like, okay, people, yeah. So remind them. <laughs> American Sniper, <laughs> The Imitation Game, Birdman, Selma, Boyhood, The Theory of Everything, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and Whiplash. Nice. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nicely read. Thank you. So I guess, Gordon, my question for you is, if you had to substitute some movies for what's in the best picture category <laughs> do you have any choices that come to mind i don't know i don't know have any that are sort of like oh i'd get you know put this one in there mm-hmm. but i i don't like the idea that it's so many films like yeah. i feel that it's i know they do that more for uh marketing and promotion and getting even worse there last were, year yeah, there were yeah. more last year um but like i think in my opinion and i don't know if this will be controversial but i think say it Amer- do it American Sniper, The Imitation Game, and The Theory of Everything shouldn't be in. <laughs> ah, <laughs> my we face, are in Brian, complete yeah, agreement. <laughs> my Brian just saw my face yeah. light up because like, you're 100% correct. They have no business being uh, in that category. Well, no, yeah. like, I, here's the thing. Like, I really, really liked, like, actually, I liked all three a lot. But I felt that, um, you know, like, The Imitation Game and The Theory of Everything were just very well done films. Like, they didn't you know, push me to, or challenge me in some way. Right. Um, American Sniper, I thought was actually pretty good. Um, I don't understand, like, I get a lot of people are saying, you know, it's all, it's pro war and what have you, Mm -hmm. which I don't know how, like, there's certain elements where I'm like, okay, I could kind of see that. But I mean, at the same time, then, you know, Hurt Locker is pro war. Because it's right. very, you know, we, we were talking about this when we saw it. Right. And we were just saying, you know, if you view it from the, the point of view of the character, mm-hmm. then that's what's really important. Like, it's right. his experience. That was not my problem with the <laughs> no, film, no. frankly. I, yeah. I just felt like it was kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. It, it just well, wasn't tight as it could be. And I felt it had been done through Hurt Locker. Like, I thought Hurt Locker was amazing. Yeah. How it they was, showed yeah. this sort of issue. Um, whereas. This one, it just felt like they were taking things from Hurt Locker and redoing it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, just with a sniper as opposed to a bomb squad. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it, like I said, it was I enjoyed it. Um, although I didn't enjoy the plastic baby. Nobody did. <laughs> the whole theater erupted in <laughs> it laughter. It was so yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I like, don't, why don't you use a real baby? Yeah. Well, you know, it's well, the story behind it is apparently the baby they had lined up got sick. <laughs> <laughs> and then their backup baby got sick or something like that. Oh, wow. And I just feel like, how hard is it to find a baby? Though? I don't know. But they grabbed, <laughs> so they went with the toy. And uh, it was funny because oh. afterwards my wife was like, just swaddle it. Like, why Why would you right. even leave it out? Yeah, it's so uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Oh. It's the thing we say all the time about, especially in TV shows, like when an actor is sick, just mm-hmm. write it in. Write it into the plot of the show for, well, if yeah, you can. If you can do that to but a baby. If a baby is sick, obviously you can't cast it. But you can you can cover it up and make it so that you can't see it. Like there are they ways. They could have changed around the scene a the little same, bit yeah, so that he didn't have to be holding it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. 
So. Or like if they were going to use the doll, yeah, exactly. Have it swaddled or something yeah. and be mm-hmm. just like in the crib or something or like only, that. Or maybe and it have him been, go check on it. Maybe it would have been more effective if you only saw his back while he was holding the baby. Like th- you could have yeah, been actual yeah, like story reasons for not yeah. seeing the there's baby. There's definitely other things they yeah. could have done. <laughs> yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, that just pulled me right out of the scene. But like, yeah. like I have to say... Um, there's a couple scenes in there that I really, really liked. Like, I, I particularly liked the moments where he's sort of sitting there and having to make the decisions mm-hmm. whether or not yeah. to shoot the kid. You know, right. like that type of... And I'm not giving anything away. That's like the first scene. Yeah. But, yeah. It's in, you know, it's, it's in like the trailer. Yeah, yeah. That's what they were showing as the teaser. Um, which is just a great sort of suspense build and what have you. And sort of where he bumps into his brother again. Mm-hmm. I, I really, did like that scene. Yeah. Um, I like that one. You know, like there's just there's scenes that stuck out, and I was like, "Wow, that's really cool, or really well done." Um, so I, I think a lot of people also, because of um, Clint Eastwood's history with pointing at the empty chair and what have you, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. um, viewed it from the lens of he, the director is Republican and immediately saw it as a war, pro war thing, and mm-hmm. immediately started applying that. But like I said, I, I think there's so many other films that you could say were pro-war then, and they don't really come across that way. Right. right. Yeah, we had problems with it, but propaganda was not one of them. <laughs> right, right. That was not my <laughs> but issue. But Timmy's got some substitutes. What? Definitely. I <laughs> Wait, these are mine? That yeah, I, I mean, I obviously I do too, but you always say things in a more dramatic way. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you mean in the way that I don't think about like yeah. well, the consequences of what I'm saying? Yeah, that um, way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yes, I think that it's not that I... I I didn't like hate any of the best no. picture noms. I, that would be too strong of a word. But I, I certainly agree that I don't know. I, I agree. I don't think American Sniper Imitation Game um, or Theory of Everything really should have been in there. And I actually, I didn't care too much for Theory of Everything. And it was a really funny thing when we saw it mm-hmm. because I was like, oh, I really did not like that movie. But not because mm-hmm. I thought it was a bad film. It was just, it was not the movie I wanted it wasn't to see. the one you see. wanted. Yeah. I, I just felt like, I was like, oh, it was just like a love story. And I wasn't really interested in watching that. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see more about Stephen Hawking and his work and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was just a disappointment for me. But and Ryan was like, "Oh, it was all right." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was less harsh on it. But but I agree. I feel like it's in terms of like, was it solid filmmaking? Yes, it was a good mm-hmm. film. It was just not the movie I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So there's a bunch of things I would have definitely preferred to see a, a most violent year i think being probably mm. the biggest one yeah for me for sure i really really liked this movie mm-hmm. and yeah. i i feel like it's crazy that it didn't get any recognition at all yeah mm-hmm. i guess they just didn't have enough money for marketing it's like it goes back to like the smear campaigns and the marketing end of all this Gordon, and the hype. D- did you see this already? no no i have i know i've heard of it i haven't seen it's it ver- yet, it's been very limited release that's yeah. such a shame it yeah. was it's it's one of my favorites of the year. Yeah. 100%. It's yeah. the place beyond the pines of last year. <laughs> yeah, us. totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I came up with the just, I'll just read through my list of like replacements. Oh, oh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. And then my <laughs> other big one is, is Foxcatcher, which uh-huh. I loved. Yeah, I really, you know what? Really I'm surprised it. that wasn't there. Yeah. I'm really, really surprised that it, it didn't get recognized. Yeah. Despite I've, Channing Tatum. <laughs> I'm surprised <laughs> it didn't get no- nominated. But there was a lot of like little, uh, like, just I was talking to someone earlier today about this and how no matter where he was, it always felt like something was off and something was about to happen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you just so it put you really on edge because you're like anything could happen at this moment. Right. And you didn't know if it was going to be good or bad. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I liked that about it, you know? Yeah, and, no, I loved it. I yeah, thought that's but, great. But, it's... but I know what the theater that we went to see it in, we went to a bow tie cinemas to see it and, and the theater we saw it and they were doing like, Oh, you guys be the critics. And they had all <laughs> these movie reviews that from people that saw it. And Foxcatcher got very mixed reviews. Oh yeah. And it I got think, a lot of D minuses and A pluses. I, I think because of what you were just saying, Gordon, like, I think it's not for everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think so you're that, saying some people don't like being kept on edge for like two hours. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I I, I really really yeah, enjoy, I like it, it. I love it. It's mm-hmm. very exciting, and I like seeing something where I'm not sure what's going to happen. It just right. makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I can under I know a lot of people aren't like that. No, but and it was well, actually very similar to Nightcrawler, which is another one that yeah, I would have substituted. I really liked this movie it also too. kept you on edge. For, Should not have been nominated for score though, <laughs> no. which is not. But yeah. <laughs> but it shouldn't be. Right. Yeah. And I guess to round off that list, we saw Rosewater early, in the early fall, and that yes. got nothing whatsoever. And that, I, yeah, I think that was doing, it. its aspirations were higher than yeah. like some of the movies that sure. were nominated and, for the you know, Best John Picture. Stewart, now that he's leaving The Daily Show, which we're definitely upset over, yeah. I'm hoping he gets into directing more I because his, his first, you know, his debut is pretty strong. Mm-hmm. It's very strong. Yeah. See, but that's what I've, I felt like as a debut, it was very strong. Mm-hmm. And it was right. a very good film. I, we do clarify But if, by if it was that, like yeah, his yeah. third film, I'd be yeah. much harder on it. Me too. So, so I'm we'll not see. surprised at yeah, the same we'll, time. We'll see in the future what happens. But yes, mm-hmm. yeah, for, for his first film, I thought it was great. Yeah. I would have even included Gone Girl, which we enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I we also, really like we saw talking a about making you feel day. uncomfortable and like keeping you on the edge mm-hmm. of your seat. And mm-hmm. someone, because I hadn't read the book, so I, I was really into Gone Girl. Yeah, David Fincher, he knows what he's doing. He, of course he does. Yeah, <laughs> he knows a thing or two. Yeah. They were probably like, he's got too many Oscars. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't yeah, need anymore. Honestly, that's, yeah, exactly. And that was funny. We saw a double feature that day. We also saw St. Vincent right. earlier in that day. And I would have included that. It, again, it's not at the top of my list, but it would have bumped something off for me. Right. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah, that's how I was feeling about that. And then a couple days ago, we watched The One I Love. Uh, rather, that was a only, couple months ago. Rather, a couple days ago, we watched Only Lovers <laughs> Left Alive, which oh, is the mm-hmm. Jim Jarmusch so good. vampire flick. Which oh, just, yes, I'm dying to see that. It's, it's amazing. so good. Oh, my gosh, it's yeah. so good. Yeah, so that yeah. one definitely would have gotten somewhere. And then the other one, which was completely, I hadn't heard nothing about it, and it was on Netflix. I remember Netflix, seeing some stuff about uh, it. was but... The One I Love, which it mm. was you know, it was possible for it to be nominated. I'm pretty sure it played in the theater in L.A. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But well, we talked about that. Like, you don't really expect something like no. those two to be nominated just because, I don't know, just for something about them, they're just not the type of movies that get nominated. Right. You know? Yeah. As compared to, you know, like the interview, which <laughs> should have been on that list. I don't understand what happened. Sony dropped the ball on that one. Uh, the interview was fine. It's exactly what I thought yeah, it was going to be. Yeah, it was okay. Be. It was fine. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, so moving on to directing, which is obviously another big category, Mm -hmm. a lot of times I've noticed that directing and best picture aren't always tied together. And I feel like they used to be, but something has shifted in recent years where it doesn't always link up. It wasn't, right? No, yeah. Last year, uh, Alfonso Caron won for Gravity. But 12 Years a Slave run for best picture. Right. Mm -hmm. So what does it all mean? (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know. know. I kind of hope. I have to say, I have. I hope that um, uh, Alejandro wins for Birdman or mm-hmm. Richard for Boyhood. Yeah, I'm pulling for them just because of the guts it took for them, and yeah. and the fact that they're pushing and trying stuff. Um, like I know it's going to drive me nuts because I I teach uh, film editing. I'm going to see so many Birdman 
imitation oh, for the next like five years. But still, yeah. like that's exciting because it's it's inspired a group of students. It was so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty amazing. And I, I guess my only thought is now directing has become a popularity contest. Like if people in the industry like you as a person, they'll mm-hmm. pick you over your film. Over other films. That's kind mm-hmm. of what the awards are. <laughs> it's like a it's microcosm. A yeah. yeah, it's a microcosm for the entire award. It's, it's basically high school on a much larger level. <laughs> yeah. Right. They like me. They really like me. No oh, boy. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of actors and actresses, um, do you care this year, Timmy? Um so like some years you care and some years you don't. In terms of these categories, not not really. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, maybe I, I feel like I care maybe a little bit more in the best supporting hmm. categories than I do in in the best actor and actress. I don't just on a personal level, I would like to see I think Michael Keaton win mm-hmm. if I had to choose. I'd be happy with that. You'd solidify his comeback. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like I, I feel like he, he, he needs it more than everybody else, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's awesome too. Like, yeah, he he was great. He had a, he did a great performance. It was wonderful, mm-hmm. and and yeah, he's just a cool guy in general. So, yeah, he's coming back. Yeah, he's back. And we haven't seen all of the best actress nominated films, so it's hard for us We've to seen judge some of them. Yeah, I mean, we did. I think Julianne Moore did a great. I think job. she's got it in the bag. If I'm going to give like one so? prediction this Don't year, give predictions. It may be that. Or am I trying to mess up possible? You're trying, yeah, I don't know. I don't <laughs> it's know. hard to say. I don't know. I mean, yeah. If I had, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but we also saw, obviously, um, Pike in mm-hmm. Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was great, too. Yeah, she was really good, That too. was an intense character. So Yeah, both They were. both were. Yeah. Oof. So I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like Julianne Moore's, she's, it's kind of an Oscar bait movie, the whole early onset you know, Alzheimer's idea. But like I said, when we saw it, I did appreciate that. I felt like she gave an understated, it wasn't an an over the top performance. It wasn't, as you said, a 1990s (laughs) performance of this character. Like the other sister. Is that the movie that we always talk about? It's very different. It's about like mental handicap. It's still the same idea of going too far over the top with your performance. And Julianne Moore dialed it back and was subtle. Yes. It is the other sister that that's what you're thinking of (laughs) with, um, what's her name? Oh, and, um, Giovanni Rabisi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Let's not get into that. But Oh, boy. <laughs> do, Gordon, so, you mean, when you talk to post-professionals, you said that, like, they don't really know much about the acting categories, but do they seem to care, or do they do they care more about their post-category, you know, the uh, post-categories? Well, no, they'll know, they'll know about the acting categories. Mm-hmm. I think it's more, um, I think what I meant by that is, like, that fans, like, people watching don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. about the, f- the film categories. Um, yeah. So, and I think, I think they care because especially if you've worked with those people or you've worked on their films mm-hmm. um, and, and you, crafted you spend their so performances. much time with them right? digitally, like they don't know you're <laughs> watching them. But It is kind of <laughs> creepy, isn't it? Like when yeah. you spend like, you know, thousands of hours with somebody and know everything, like everything about when they're blinking and not blinking and like all their subtle movements. And then you walk up to them and you're like, oh, hey, I feel like I know you. Yeah. Well, and and I've I've heard stories from editors where they've like met the actor afterwards at the rap party, and mm-hmm. they're like, oh, and they just start talking like they've known them for a while, oh, and the no. actor's like, what? Who are you? <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh no. I'm the editor. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's yeah, that's funny. really awkward. But yeah, let's get into some of the post categories yes. then. Sure. Uh, so I mean, when we talk about relevant categories, film editing obviously comes to mind, mm-hmm. and there's the thing that I always say every year 
because you know I, I have a big love for film editing that it always seems to be tied to mm-hmm. best picture and there's obviously a good reason for that yeah it's this year has got a pretty good solid list of editors like they're all phenomenal phenomenal editors yeah like usually there's years where i'm like oh okay um but the one i'm hoping for just because of uh just because of the challenge in in the style and everything is probably tom cross Mm -hmm. uh, for whiplash for those who don't know Mm -hmm. um because you know joel cox has won a few so is uh gary roach Mm -hmm. uh the one that most likely I'm, I'm assuming Sandra will probably take it. Not that she doesn't deserve it. She's done a phenomenal, phenomenal it's, job. Yeah. It's just the most obvious form of editing for boyhood. Right. Well, it's not even that. It's uh, I think she had a lot of challenges in terms of she would work. I can't remember if it was like two weeks a year or four weeks a year. Something there was like a strange structure to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was like she appeared for a couple weeks, did her her work and then would disappear and the issue became how do you structure a story part-time in a sense like you yeah you haven't looked at it for a year and there's not much time to go back through footage and rushes and so there's there is huge challenges for her um which so she definitely deserves it if she wins it oh yeah um i i just really enjoyed tom cross's uh approach to the editing of that film was incredibly tight just oh my god and they did it so quickly. I mm-hmm. mean, the timetable of that film was like basically like a student film. Like basically they had to do it like in a semester yeah. is basically what happened. Yeah. Oh, man. It's incredibly impressive. But yeah, basically anybody who wins uh, out of the two of them, I'd be happy. And Birdman, not nominated because everyone thinks it's a one shot. Right. Yeah. That's it's all a little... sti- digitally stitched. Yeah. And I, and I said this before to someone. Um, one, I wish there was a colorist category because... The amount of work that went into Birdman's coloring and correcting the color because of the one shot mm. issues, I would, I think would be great to see them at least recognized for that. Yeah. Um, because that's the amount of work that went into that is insane. Immense. Yeah. Maybe next year they'll suggest it. You know that they can suggest new categories. Okay, oh, but yeah, they can. Yeah. They do. Yeah, we'll probably in our show notes we'll link to the the Wikipedia page on it. But yes, there's there there have been many suggested categories now, which I can't remember, but some of them are pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And and but they have to be approved. So mm. there was one specific category that I remember reading was was uh, requested like ten years in a row, and it got <laughs> declined every single year. Was that Best. stuntmen or something like that? Or stuntmen? Oh, yeah, yep, maybe stuntmen is one of them. Because yeah, I know that they've been trying, and I think I'm surprised. I'm surprised the actors, considering like how much they do for the actors, you think the actors would stand up for them and right, right, right. Yeah. Craft services have, hasn't yeah. made it either. So you got to figure out who to talk to about the coloring, yeah. the colorist <laughs> issue. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so obviously somebody else who does something for the actors is the editor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, when you talk to a lot of these editors and you're an editor yourself, mm-hmm. um, I mean, what do you think, like how, how linked are they, the performance that we see on screen and the work that's done in the edit room? Uh, in in what way do you mean? Like how, how is the editor linked to it or? Yeah, like a lot, I feel like a lot of people don't understand the process that, you know, there's how many takes and you're really crafting a performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a lot of times what's 
it used to be, you know, you'd have a couple of takes for each angle and what have mm-hmm. you, but with digital, it's sort of, it's the camera's always running. So you now have, you know, a couple of hours of dailies a day. Right. Um, so you sift through that and you really sort of have to find the best performance, the best moments and editors will watch every single frame because there might be that, you know, little moment in the eye or the little sort of tweak of the lip that sort of suggests something uh, that you can sort of use to um, guide the audience to a particular emotion or guide them to a particular idea. Um, and so you're constantly looking through this footage and, you know, juxtaposing it to create this this feeling or this idea for the audience. You know, um, I, I always show a scene in, in my classes uh, from The Hours, which I believe mm. won the Oscar for editing. Mm. And it's the scene where... No, I can't remember the name of the the actress. Might have been Julianne Moore. Could have been. <laughs> yeah. No, Nicole Kidman. She's, no, leaving, yeah. she's leaving whatever the town is because she wants to go back to London. And she has a huge argument on the, the train platform. Oh, I remember the scene. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the scene is just phenomenal. It's great. Um, because Just the whole structure and how they've designed everything. Uh, the way the, pass, uh, the pacing picks up and... Uh, is given breaks and then picks up again. Um, this whole sort of guiding the audience and allowing them breaks to breathe is just phenomenal throughout it. Yeah, they're really determining the entire pacing of you know the actor's performance. And a lot of editors I know now don't only just obviously choose the best take from a million takes. Mm-hmm. They literally split takes now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's crazy. It gives you just, you know, exponential amount of choices to make. Wow. Yeah, I wish um, I wish Pixar would allow us to show um, a clip that Ken Schretzman showed me, uh, but they wouldn't give us the rights to. And that mm-hmm. is, he showed um, there was a scene where there was a line of dialogue uh, in Toy Story three, and there's about twenty takes from Tom Hanks, and it shows how he built the one line delivery from those twenty takes. Oh man. And how it took them so many weeks to build it and, or yeah. so many days or something like that. And it's phenomenal because then you see and he shows you, you know, like if I left this word in, it's not as funny. If I put this word Oof. in, it's not as. And so it shows you the amount of work that goes into crafting just a line of dialogue in, in animation. Yeah. Um, but uh, Pixar is very protective <laughs> of their rightfully so. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Um, yeah. They yeah, even want, like yeah. non-animated movies, like live action stuff, I've seen editors split the screen down the middle and choose mm-hmm. one actor's performance on the left-hand side of the screen if it's a two-shot, and another yeah. actor's performance on you know from another take on the right-hand side of the screen. So it kind of makes you go nuts. So yeah. I feel yeah. like actors need to know if they don't know this. I'm sure the you know the best in the industry do that. You better like cozy up to your editor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know who's uh, apparently great to his editors is uh, Tom Cruise. I bet uh, he, knows, he treats them he like gold. Yeah. Doing. Wow. Apparently, he's just a really nice guy when it comes to the edit suite. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he, he understands the craft, too, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I think he respects what uh, editors do. Yeah. So. Wow. Another big category for, you know, post-production uh, professionals would be sound editing and sound mixing. And I feel like mm-hmm. the thing about this is a lot of people don't know what those different categories actually mean right you know in in theory you'd think like one one way of breaking it up would be like everybody who works on set 
is like one category. And then everybody who works in post-production is another category. But mm -hmm. that's not how they split it up. No. They split it up as, you know, the supervising sound editors um, or like your sound designer mm -hmm. is, you know, the, the sound editor. And then you've got rather they're up for best sound editing. And then you've got the production sound mixers and then your re-recording, which is the post-production sound mixers up for best sound mixing. Mm -hmm. So that's a little, <laughs> a little <laughs> bit of trivia. Trivia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And but now I, you know, and that's and half the, the moral, battle, guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I guess the thing I always think about is when it gets to this stage where all voters can vote, mm -hmm. do you think they even understand what makes good film sound? Uh, probably not. So how do um, they choose? And I think in that case, it becomes a popularity contest. Mm -hmm. Ah, there it is. Um, I think someone suggested that they should be showing... They, I don't think they would get permission to do this, but uh, they should be showing, you know, clips to the audience or clips to people of like before and after. Mm. Because if you see Life of Pi without sound and VFX... <laughs> you have a huge appreciation for sound in VFX. Yes. Because, uh, you know, like the sound on Life of Pi, when they're in those water tanks, you can't mm -hmm. hear anything. So it's literally just a guide. And even then, it's not the greatest. Yeah. You know, and the, and the onset mixers will tell you that. They're like, look, I can't get you this because we have wind machines, we have waves, we have, you know, boats in the background making noise. Yeah. I mean, and what Walter Murch talks about this a lot, and I always tend to agree with anything he says, but <laughs> <laughs> that like sound, I think, should be sort of informing the scene in a different way. It shouldn't just it shouldn't just follow the picture, you know, mm -hmm. in a dogmatic way. It should bring new life and new ideas. And I feel like good film sound is kind of like just like good radio. It creates different mm -hmm. images. It juxtaposes um, and it can create ironies. It's like a whole other, you know, tool in your in your kit that mm -hmm. a lot of directors, I just feel like they don't use it. They just sort of make it loud. And if it's loud, mm -hmm. then it's good, they think. And I feel like voters yeah, kind of <laughs> think the same way. They're like, well, Gravity did have loud sound. So it must be. It must be the best. It must be actually the, best. the sound in Gravity was really no, good. Yeah, it was yeah, good. I was just gonna say the sound in Gravity. <laughs> like a bad, I loved bad the no, lack of sound was amazing. Right. That. Yeah. Right. Um, it's more of those action, big budget action flicks that tend to rack up the you know technical awards. I'm like, I feel like people just remembered there being sound. And there, they voted well, for there it. was sound. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. And then I guess onto our our last category. Um, which is visual effects. Mm -hmm. VFX. VFX. Yeah, I always write VFX in our outlines, and Timmy's like, wait, what's VFX? Half the time, I'm like, wait, yeah. I don't know. Now and you then, know. We've now had the conversation yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. But I guess a, a question for you, it's my understanding that visual effects is incredibly male-oriented, like mm -hmm. probably the most male-dominated part of the industry. Is that is that true? Uh, I think the industry in general is heavy male mm. domination. That's fair. There which, it is. <laughs> well, no, it, it, I mean, like... I, I think it's like a bad thing in in many ways because it's just you're shutting out a lot of ideas just mm -hmm. because of gender and I think that's ridiculous. Um, there, there actually, there's a couple of really good um, articles posted to AOTG recently about VFX, mm -hmm. uh, the VFX industry and, and how it's very ma male dominated. Um, yeah, there it's it's changing. I, like, I do see people wanting it to change, uh, which is good. I've seen there was uh, there's been a lot of articles recently about it. Uh, but more importantly, things like NAB is going to have a um, gender issues panel. 
Oh, nice. This year, because they've started to realize that, you know, having booth babes, which is the term they use, Ugh, not my term. It's obnoxious. Um, yeah. Is not good for everyone. <laughs> um so, you know, and they've they've started to realize in marketing materials, like I think Black Magic's changed some of their marketing materials recently because their one previously had all guys working on the set and then a woman in a bathing suit in a yikes in a in a pool. And now it's changed and it's a, a woman working on a computer and a guy uh, pointing at something or something weird like that. Mm. So it's changing. <laughs> and, uh, Progress, whatever yeah. form will take yeah. it. I don't know. He's just yeah. pointing at the screen. It's yeah. like, like, I just there. know I haven't seen any women accepting visual effects award. Right. So hopefully once that, once we see, you know, a woman up there, then we'll be like, okay. They're there. Things have changed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there are, there are women in the industry. So it's just sure. a matter of yeah, time. Totally. It's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny. Timmy and I know, next to nothing about visual right. effects like i'm always like enamored with these artists who can pull it off mm-hmm. but i understand next to nothing of their craft <laughs> i mean what, what is it for you i mean you're you you probably talk to some editors who have really really high visual effects um you know skills on the side it really depends on the editor mm-hmm. um like uh alan bell is phenomenal oh, yeah. like he knows his stuff <laughs> yeah uh, but then there's others who i've i've sat down with and it's not that they don't want to know it it's just that they're so busy they don't have the time you know it's right. just they're you know they don't have the time to do it because they're cutting 14 hour days and what have you so i think it's uh it depends on the editor yeah really um and and some editors just don't want to know because it's uh, they might not be that technically, uh, I don't want to say advanced, but I, I guess they don't get excited by the technology or the the you know software the way others do. Yeah, in some ways, like once you know, then people expect it of you. So I guess it gets you jobs, which is good. Mm-hmm. But then it also makes you have to do it at your job, yeah. <laughs> which is bad. <laughs> and and the software is bloody complex, right? Like I've yeah. been using After Effects for a while and at mm-hmm. the editor's retreat, I, I took a class and there was something that I did that took me an hour <laughs> and, you know, the person giving the talk was like, and here's how you can do it in two minutes. And uh, it's like, oh man, that's mm, like, yeah. and it's the same thing. It looks exactly the same. It's just, you know, they've added all these sub keys and, or uh, hot keys and things that you can do that sort of speed things up. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the Academy tends to go for the flicks that are big budget visual effects extravaganzas mm-hmm. in this category. But like, you know, um, Alan Bell is a great example of like 500 Days of Summer. Tons right. of effects that were just mm-hmm. amazing in that film. Yeah, I love and that movie. And that's the type of, you know, I don't know, subtle effects I, I tend to like. But I, I also am seeing a shift maybe just because J.J. Abrams and, you know, mm-hmm. the new Star Wars trilogy. But practical effects, I'm kind of seeing a resurgence in and I'm hoping mm-hmm. the Academy you know, goes for that. Yeah, I was, you know what, the ones I'm kind of excited about and I kind of hope for is either Dawn of the Planet of the Apes or Interstellar. Mm-hmm. Just because of the, again, it's it's the thing I always think about with the uh, Oscars is people pushing the envelope and advancing things. Yeah. Um, you know, and Dawn with what they did with the apes and uh, the special effects that they did and pushing the boundaries with the um, the actors in the suits yeah, uh, which has done, been done before, but I mean, they they sort of brought it to another level with the the quality of the VFX and Interstellar. Just you know, it was mind blowing. It re- I mean, there's nothing else you can say about that movie. The yeah. effects were the amazing. The effects were great. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, you know, and I think if either of those won, I'd be perfectly fine with that. Yeah, I'd be happy with that. <laughs> so, yeah, and I mean, the other ones are all amazing too, but those ones I felt like really pushed the boundaries. Stand out. No, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Moving on, right? Moving, moving right along. So, I mean, one thing that I don't know if we get into it too much on this show, the difference mm-hmm. between seeing a film and studying it to improve your craft, which mm-hmm. I do all the time. It's actually one of the reasons I have this podcast. I'm sure for you, Gordon, too, mm-hmm. like having the podcast keeps you on the on your toes. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I go to see a movie just because like I know that I need I need to have seen it right. so that I can be a better artist. And sometimes I just go because I know I'm going to enjoy it. And obviously there's some crossover in doing that. Yeah. But like, what's the difference for you, Gordon, when you when you go to see a movie? Uh, like, how do I turn off or... How do you turn off that switch or, or is can this, you or can you is a better question? Uh, I've definitely gotten better at it. <laughs> um, I think I my wife and I love to watch bad movies too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking movies we like, like uh, The Room, those type of movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we've been to so many screenings of yeah. that. Because yeah. you just turn your brain off and you just laugh and have fun. Like yeah. you're Best. not, like you know the second it starts, you're like, I don't have to worry about pointing oh. out bad things because it's all bad. <laughs> it's yeah. all terrible. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where it's, I've started really enjoying those films because the person was passionate and oh, didn't let their lack of skill get in the way. It makes it so much better. And we we always say, like, I well, at least I guess I'll say, I always say, I want to see either a really terrible film <laughs> or a really great one. I don't have time for the mediocre mm-hmm. one. So I love, we, we also love terrible movies. Yeah. yeah. But that said, like, I watch pretty much anything um, from, like, you know, just sitcoms that people might not like to, you know, <laughs> you know, award-winning films because everything in some way gives me an idea or influences me or if I don't like it, I'm like, well, I better not do that. You know, I better yeah, not. Yeah, exactly. What not to do. Yeah. Right. Um, and I kind of, they kind of merge now. So, like, I don't mind analyzing the film. Um, a lot of times what will happen is I'll do this sort of, if I'm, I'll do a pass where I just sort of lay back and enjoy it. Uh, and then if I'm like, oh, maybe I should watch this for mm. education, then I'll rewatch it and check it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, what's funny. It's like Timmy watches films more than I rewatches films yeah. more than I do. I <laughs> like, do. You just put it on. And I wouldn't say you're studying it. You have an analytical mind and you're always like, you know, taking notes about like whether things are you approve or not. Mm-hmm. But you just love rewatching films. I yeah. always see something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. You were just talking about blue is the warmest color. Yeah, you did. You totally did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I like how Gordon, you always ask at the end of your, your show, like what's your guilty pleasure? Cause I always feel like that's really telling. Mm-hmm. Well, guilty and it's, movies. it's also, uh, it's just fun. Cause I find that a lot of people take themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, uh, specifically in film, you'll see, uh, people just take themselves too really too seriously and you have to enjoy the films too. Yeah. <laughs> you have to, that's uh, part of it. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I love tons of films that people would consider not, you know, popular or not ones you should watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just telling Timmy yesterday on our way home from seeing Still Alice <laughs> that there was a time period in my life where I saw every Harrison Ford movie ever mm-hmm. just because I, I liked him as an actor. And man, were there some stinkers <laughs> in that bunch. Yet I still really enjoyed them just because they were like crazy and ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's personal favorites and then there's 
the craft. And I feel like sometimes they meet in the middle in the in that Venn diagram, and sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I feel like we're reaching we're reaching the end of the show, and yeah. we should we'd be remiss if we didn't say our actual top three favorites of the year, which doesn't necessarily mean they were the best crafted. They're just our top three. Our favorites. top threes. Yeah. Yeah. So Gordon, do you want to start? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll. Sorry, I have. I'm just double checking my list here. <laughs> it um, took us a while too to m- confirm that we had the right three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm just quickly scanning through the 2014 list of films just to make sure I didn't <laughs> miss one. Am I allowed to say guilty pleasure ones that weren't yeah. popular? Yeah. Just yeah. Totally. Your top three films of the year. Oh, that one should have been on the list too. <laughs> it's crazy how many films that came out this year. You can't. It choose, is. You, we have a whole. We have a wonder list of all the films we saw this yeah. year. Yeah. You can't choose the interview three times though. Yeah. yeah uh, of course. <laughs> So the one I I thought I was surprised didn't uh, get any sort of recognition was Dear White People. Oh, okay. We didn't see that we one. We haven't seen it. Yeah. You haven't seen it? Um, no. It's pretty good. I'd watch, watch the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was like when I first heard about it, I thought it was going to be a very serious sort of, uh, um, you know, do the right thing type film. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, uh, it's actually really well done. I think... Keeping in mind that it's this guy's first film. So, similar mm-hmm. in in terms of... Um, right. Rosewater. Yeah. Yeah. Like, had this been his third film, I would have been a lot harder on it. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, like, I say that because I know that I would make tons of mistakes on my first feature. Oh, yeah. And so, you have to give a bit of leeway. Um, so, that's definitely one. Go The other one that I was like, wow, I can't believe this didn't get more recognition is live, die, repeat, or as it's better known by its other title, edge of tomorrow. <laughs> edge of tomorrow. Uh, yeah. We have to watch that. We have, we, we have, have a few s- listeners yeah. who said, no, 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 give it a shot. And that's we the definitely thing. Like, will. It's one of those things where it's like, I feel badly cause it was just, they somewhere it just didn't click the way it should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And it just, it works. It's, it's mm-hmm. a fun film. Right. Um, so those, that's two. And then, I have a bunch of like ones that are not super popular. Uh, so things like the million dollar arm. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah. yeah. John was John Hamm in that one. Yes, he was. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I love watching baseball films. Mm-hmm. And so it was great. I just enjoyed it. <laughs> it had, like no very straightforward structure to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoyed Godzilla. I know it's not like everyone's cup of tea, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> Uh, and then the other one, the other two I have are Monument Men and uh, Box Trolls. Oh yeah, you know Monument Men got pushed to this year. I forgot. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, and it and it got ter- it got bad reviews, but I actually really I I don't know why it did. It wasn't like obviously I wouldn't say it was you know Oscar worthy or what have you, but it w- didn't deserve the beating it took on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, well that's not always the greatest gauge, obviously. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed a lot of parts of Box Troubles mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, when I put it up against Coraline, I'm always going to choose Coraline. Yeah, so it's yeah. like but one of my favorite films of that year. But it's the Box same Trolls studio. And Coraline. It's the same <laughs> studio between Lego <laughs> okay. and and Box uh, Troubles. Yeah, yeah. I think I prefer the Lego movie of the two. Yeah. I really, really what about had a Big good time. Hero Six versus oh, Box man. Trolls because they are up against. They one are another. up against each other. I I would prefer Big Hero 6, oh, but I did, I did like Box Trolls, and I love that style of, of the hybrid I of know, stop motion so and CGI. Yeah. Oh my God, it's amazing. Yeah. It, in part, you have to think of like how intimidating it must be 
for the animators or rather the screenwriter mm -hmm. because you're like, oh, everything I do is going to take like everybody a million hours <laughs> to rotoscope or whatever they right. have to do. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, good list. Good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you want me to go next? Is you do you want to finish, finish it off? Or? It's up to you. I can go hey, next. So, you go next, fine. Um, my number three, and this isn't too controversial, no. is, is Birdman. Mm -hmm. I just had such a great time seeing this movie, and I want to see... This is one of the few I want to own. We were talking about this on our last episode about like how rarely we buy Blu-rays anymore. taking up space in our apartment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to know all about this one, and hopefully they have yeah. really great... Oh, you know, man, guys, I thought scenes. we couldn't use uh, Oscar word nominated one. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Anything. Oh, sorry. Do you, do you want, want to redo, do you want to redo your no, list? No, no. I'm keeping. I'm sticking with it. I'm standing okay. by my decision. No. We're so sorry. No, of course you can use Oscar award-winning ones. Yeah. It was ones outside of or it Oscar that we nominee. missed. <laughs> yeah. No. What? It's good because your list is different. Because yeah, your of that, list your is list different. is very different from ours. <laughs> this happens to be both clear. a list that includes Oscar movies and it's my personal favorite. Okay. Yeah. 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 Same scenes yeah. for me. Yeah. And number two is a most violent year. Mm, uh, yeah. which is just like a throwback uh, and I've talked about it before to just Al Pacino and his like best films Oscar Isaac somehow like captured that in all of his glory and he can do anything somehow it was like a gangster film that was not about a, a gangster an actual gangster yeah and it's it just crazy. a really cool yeah you know amazing it's really really great and then my number one is just it's going to be I'm hoping it takes everything, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Nominated for everything, it's only nominated for like three. By things. take everything, I mean yeah. Best Picture, and that's Whiplash. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that was just a transformative experience in the movie theater uh, because just everything came together, and yeah, I was just thrilled when I left. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? My my yeah my list, or mm -hmm. did I do I agree with your Whiplash thing? I want to hear your list. That will okay. decide whether okay. you agree. Okay. So mine is similar. It's going to be boring because mine's similar to yours except for one thing. We should have put Gordon in the middle I to break know, up our monotony. I know. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Uh, so my number three is actually Foxcatcher. Mm -hmm. I really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, I thought Steve Carell gave a great performance, obviously. But just the stuff we were talking about before, you know, the buildup of tension and you just like never knew what was coming next. I really, really just enjoyed the experience and also uh, emotionally speaking i come from i mean not me personally obviously but a lot of um people in my family were very involved in wrestling and i went to a lot of wrestling matches growing up and like tournaments and stuff your dad had like a wrestling camp in, my in, dad in, literally like yeah. did, did what john dupont did but like <laughs> but not, not in a creepy way but not in a, but like in that he act legitimately like coached wrestlers yeah so, so he was the, he was the original gym they they taught at <laughs> yes yeah he was like the the yeah exactly um at the beginning of the movie before everything got creepy yeah my dad used to do that and my brother wrestled and like yeah so i i always it it's it's one of the sports that i actually do know a lot about so i was i was very into it and it's very interesting for me to see you know history about that and i remember watching it and being like oh i bet my dad knows like all about this and it was mm. really engaging to be able to call him and like talk to him about and it he did. but and i did and yeah. and he was really happy that i asked him about it and is unfortunately hasn't seen foxcatcher foxcatcher bringing families together yeah <laughs> honestly and i like i said i i did think steve Carell did a great job and it's always interesting to see him 
play play something so different. And I think he does great at these dramatic roles. And I yeah. hope eventually people start actually taking him seriously because you know. Well, I have to. I have to ask. Did you go on YouTube and watch the uh, Dupont videos that he made? No. So you know how he's making all those videos throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're actual videos, so you can go on YouTube and watch them. Oh, that's oh, awesome. You're giving and them a lot, really of, a lot of extra stuff to watch. This and Weird Al, we're just booked for the night. Yeah, <laughs> we are in for the night. <laughs> They're long. They're like half-hour documentaries about how he's going to change oh, wrestling and stuff. That's so cool. Yeah, that that's going to even make it better. So that's my number three. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then <laughs> my last two. Yeah, my number two is A Most Violent Year, which I remember seeing the preview for this back in the fall and being like, this movie is going to be amazing. And then it was. Yeah. It's amazing. I love it. And for a while, I thought it was going to be my number one movie of the year. Yeah. Until I saw Whiplash. <laughs> and then that became my favorite movie of the year. Absolutely. Dish of humble pie. And I think, yes, seriously. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, mea culpa. I don't know how many times I can apologize yeah. for this. It was amazing. I think you should write a letter to J.K. Simmons in particular. I would love to write a letter to J.K. Simmons. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was great. And, and and very again my number three and my number one are both very personal to me because i i'm a singer i went to music school and and you know obviously i never had something like that but certainly anytime you're a performer stuff like that i mean similar things happen to you so i found it very personal to me in terms of like the music conservatory upbringing in college and grad school and stuff Mm -hmm. you didn't get a symbol thrown at your head but no, I'm a, no I'm, I'm a singer. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very much like for your consideration, which we were talking about before, which are they like break you down. Yeah. But then they forget to build you back up. But like, oops, <laughs> that's my own cross to bear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So those are my top three. Very nice. So, Gordon, we apologize again for misleading you. <laughs> yeah, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I was very happy to hear these other movies that yeah. like, most people no, didn't I definitely see. check out um, Dear White People just, mm-hmm. just as like a... Uh, First, first film for this guy is pretty good. Yeah, we will. We'll do check have, out that and live, die, repeat, or yeah. the edge of tomorrow. Wait, but do you have any other like runners up that uh-huh. maybe you want to add, knowing the actual rules now of our game? <laughs> no, I'm I sticking. You're by sticking it. to it. Okay, I, I, I admire that. that. I'm throwing yeah. down. I'm going to file a complaint <laughs> with the Ampus and say that yeah. they need to add these films. Yeah, perfect. Do it. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Great. Awesome. This has been great. So. I feel like we should move on to mini segments. Sure. Mini segments. Great. So the first thing I just wanted to know for listeners of not just a movie, right. I wanted them to know what uh, the cutting room has coming up. Do you have any episodes? Yeah. We, well, when we were at um, uh, editor's retreat, we did an interview with uh, David Moritz who cuts for Wes Anderson and uh, Judd Apatow. Oh, and nice. we're in the process of organizing a time to discuss, uh, or set up an interview for uh, Arthur Schmidt, who cut Forrest Gump, cut uh, Castaway, cut all the Back to the Futures, um, cut Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, <laughs> nice! So awesome. uh, yeah, it's uh, so those are the two that are coming up. Uh, and then this week coming up, we're posting an interview with uh, Maxim. Uh, I can't remember his last name. It's Maxim Yager. Yard hmm. Yoger. I can never pronounce his last name. Oh yeah, I know who you're saying. But uh, yeah. Yeah, and so he's gonna he's gonna discuss the editor's retreat and what he what he was doing there. Cool. Very yeah. cool. Oh. So on our last episode, and this is our yeah. last mini mm-hmm. segment for today, we've mentioned to our audience <laughs> that we've made it's sort of our New Year's resolution to be able to talk to anyone 
about movies <laughs> without sounding like jerks. And I've noticed that you have this capability. Yeah. So we were, we were hoping you might have some advice for us on, on pursuing this in the future. Uh, do you so need some? Do you need some context for this? <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, okay. I think so. So basically, the problem we have is whenever <laughs> somebody comes up to us and says, "What did you think of X Y Z movie?" We say, "Oh, we try not to sound condescending, but we're like, oh, in our minds, we're thinking we've seen fourteen other films that are better than this." Mm-hmm. So. Like we're trying not to deflate their that balloon. That are similar. That are mm-hmm. similar to the, the movie that they're championing, and we're trying not to deflate their, you know, happiness about seeing it. Um, but we find it really difficult. Right. <laughs> so how do you how do you do it? Uh, well, I, I focus on the film first, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't think of the other fourteen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. So just you know, what like I really dive into like the aspects of the film, what I liked and what I disliked about it. And even if I didn't like something about it, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a personal preference, really. Right. Unless it's something bad, like, oh, there's a boom shot, you know, boom in the shot. You know, <laughs> right. like, at which point something it's just... obvious, yeah. Yeah, they should have fixed that. Right, um, clearly. But, yeah, so, you know, like, even uh, just trying to think of a film this year that I didn't like. Um, <laughs> it's tough because you see so many films. And they yes, sort of blur yeah, together. Yeah, together. and they all just sort Especially of blur this together. Time. But, you know, like even like Foxcatcher, I really liked, um, mm-hmm. but I still had issues with it. Um, right. So, for example, I found it really slow. But at the same time, when you're breaking it down, like, why was it slow? What What was it about that pacing? And, you know, a lot of it probably plays into the fact that they're trying to make you feel on edge because you're expecting something to happen or you're wanting something to happen. And it's not, and it's dragging out, so it's making you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so most likely, that's that's probably it. And similar with, um, uh, oh, what was that film called? Gone Girl. Mm. Um, you know, like I really hated the music in that. <laughs> um, the music in the first half of the film, I was like, the first half, I thought the acting was terrible and all this stuff. And then um, I read an interview with uh, the director, and apparently he had asked Trent Reznor to make this music based on something he'd heard at like a massage parlor or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the reason he asked him to make it that way is because that music made him, it was like the happiest music that made him feel awkward or uncomfortable. Uh, and so he wanted that feeling for the film. And I was like, I okay. Don't, I don't really remember the music that much. It's a while. It's been a yeah, while since we've seen it. In my opinion, I was like, wow, this first half of this film is like terrible acting. <laughs> and and then I was reading, it was like he wanted it to feel almost soap opera-ish, right? right? Like a soap opera where everything, like the delivery and everything was fake and nothing was real, which kind of makes sense to the character. So, sure. So, if lot- I came to you and was like, Gone Girl is my favorite movie, not only of this year, but, but of any year, you would, it seems like your technique is to talk about like the stuff you've read about it. <laughs> sort of divert attention away from the negatives. Not even, like, I mean, <laughs> I like diving in and saying here's what I, you know like talking about uh foxcatcher i was like mm-hmm. i didn't like the pacing but here's why i think they did it this way mm-hmm. and so the conversation is right. not so much this is a shitty film yeah. it's i didn't get this part or this part bothered me but it's kind of cool that they might have done it because of this um i do that sometimes too yeah yeah, yeah. it's like the room you know it's uh <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i mean there's it's so many ridiculous things happened in that that it's just you got it. There's so many things you could talk about within that film that right. are fun. 
Yeah. I mean, I always like to just say that whenever I do critique something, I usually say like, oh, you know, that's my personal preference, mm-hmm. though. And that's mm-hmm. just your opinion is just as valid as mine is. I right. do try to do that. Yeah. I always yeah. do. But I have yeah. I have had those talks where someone's just like, this is a piece of crap and they won't let you <laughs> like like your film. <laughs> Right, yeah. right. Yeah. I, we we don't do that. I feel like we've, if we used to, we've definitely gotten better about that. <laughs> right, yeah. But we're trying to be not condescending in 2015. Right. Yeah. So hopefully Gordon can yeah. have a whole column for us on his site. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just just for that topic. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks for the advice. <laughs> not a problem. So that was our crossover. Thanks to Timmy and Ryan for uh, having me on their show and doing this crossover with us. Uh, of course... Of course, if you want to communicate with us, you can always get us on AOTG Network on Twitter, on Facebook, facebook.com slash AOTG Network. And of course, you can always email us, info at AOTG.com. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.